Hi, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. Let's talk about a topic that might split your church. So anyway, the question today that has been raised is, can or should a Christian date a non-Christian? And um, I've done a lot of study on this, and I know you guys haven't had the same theological training that I have, so let me enlighten you with the answer. No. No, no, you, you shouldn't or you can't, or nor should you. I think that's the answer. That's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, I think I covered everything. Yep, that, that's a wrap. All right, good job. Wait, what are you doing? What, are you doing? what am I doing? I, I'm done. I just answered the question. Aren't you going to, like, expound on why you have that statement? But I'm the pastor. Like, what I say is, you know, I'm just the theology guy, so you should be able to trust me, right? Like, I'm done. If you don't finish filming, I'm going to leave the church. What? I do need tithe. I do need tithing money. Okay, fine. You know what? If you want wordy pastor will, wordy pastor will is what you'll get. All right? I'm over it. So can a Christian date a non-Christian? This is the ultimate question. So uh, this happens in youth groups all the time, right? Like, the, the you know, everyone's all... That's when everyone starts noticing that guys and girls actually exist and they start crushing on each other, especially at school. But this comes up in youth groups all the time and the things that you always hear when you're bringing up Christian and non-Christian is like, well, oh, I can change him or her, I don't discriminate. Uh, then, or there's the, but I really, really like her or she's really cool and all these different things. And like, as if those things alone are what you should be sold on. And it's always really funny too, I guess in youth groups, because sometimes you can ask other questions like, what does that person offer you that you didn't have beforehand? And it's so funny how often they just kind of, they're funny and they make me laugh. They make me feel good, but that's neither here nor there. We're not talking about what you're looking for in a spouse. 100% here, but we're just we're talking about this specific topic. Can a Christian date a non-Christian? So um, let's first look at what scripture says about this. Now, it's important to mention that dating is the pre-marriage, right? That's like what you're doing to see if you actually want to marry somebody. So no one should just flippantly date just for the sake of dating. I mean, that's kind of absurd. You want to actually make sure you're dating somebody with the intent to possibly marry them. Is this a person that's actually married, marry, marriage, there it is, marriage material, okay? So first things first, the Bible does make clear that we ought to marry in the Lord. So 1 Corinthians 7.39, now it's talking in a different context here, but 1 Corinthians 7.39 says, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. So keep in mind that, yeah, Paul's going, sure, yeah, she, if her husband dies, she is free to marry, but only in the Lord. And as if that's the no-brainer at the end, right? The little tagline. So the real question is this, how can you marry in the Lord if the person that you're marrying is outside the Lord? It, do, it doesn't make sense. The two are not compatible. And 2 Corinthians 6, so he's apparently had to address us a few times with the church of Corinth. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16 says this, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. So real quick, unequally yoked, let's talk about yokes that are like attached to oxen. They come up on the necks and that's what they use to guide and make sure they're, they're side by side and not one's getting ahead of the other or being dragged behind the other. So it's a way to keep them equal level. So 
don't be unequally yoked or leveled with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with unrighteousness so this is important because he makes a real stark a stark contrast here between light and darkness fellowship with uh fellowship with light versus darkness or uh what accord has Christ with Belial, who is an idol. And then he talks about the temple of God versus the temple of idols. So he's making the contrast of there are those here who live in righteousness and there are those here who live in unrighteousness. What are you doing with them? And it's funny because he just refers to fellowship here in a second, not even talking about marriage. So he's talking about who is your close fellowship? My close fellowship, my closest friends ought not to be unbelievers. My closest friends ought to be those who I fellowship with in Christ. So therefore, even with it's not even with especially with my wife or your husband or whatever it ought to be in the lord and it ought to be a fellowship from light unto light not light unto darkness so and then in verse 17 he goes on and he says therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them says the lord and touch no unclean thing then i will welcome you so this makes it even more abundantly clear that God is not in favor of such things. I really want to point out here, it says, go out and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. And so it's really hard to touch no unclean thing when in your marital relationship is going to involve a lot of touching, right? Is that a good way to put that? Is that a good way to put that? That's the way I'm going to put that. But touch no unclean thing. And I'm not saying like, oh my goodness, you can't shake their hand, okay? But the point is, is that you, we are too called to be separate. And it's hard to be separate from them when you're united with them in marriage. Does that make sense? So he says, only then will I welcome you. So anyway, how can you be separate from them if you're in fact dating or married to them? That doesn't make sense. Or we ought also to be one with the Lord and united with him. Yet we know that sexual relationships can either unite or divide. It's something that is very exclusive to these particular relationships. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 through 17 says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So, here it makes clear, Now I'm not saying that unbelievers are prostitutes, but he's, he's making an example here that we, you, when you're joined with somebody, the two shall become one flesh. So who are you joined with? Is it someone clean or unclean? Someone of the light or someone of the darkness? Of righteousness or unrighteousness? Of the temple of God or the temple of idols? So in, in other words, who's the priority here? And this really is what that comes down to, is a question of priorities. Do you need your romantic relationship more than you need God? And this happens a lot. People really get this misprioritized. They, they have such a longing for a physical attachment that they become almost obsessed with that instead of being clearly focused on God, who is the, Jesus Christ is the goalpost, right? That it ought to be the focus. And, you know, if God blesses you with a spouse during that time, awesome, that's great, you know? Um, in fact, my spouse was one, uh, me and Callie, it was one of those things that, if somebody told me at the end of college I'd marry Callie Brink, I would have laughed in their face. But God has a sense of humor because now I'm very happily married to Callie Brink. So it is really funny. So, But it only happened when I really truly surrendered to God's way and then God was like, okay, finally now that you're satisfied with me 100%, now I can bring in her. You weren't ready for her yet because you weren't even focused on me as much as you should have been. So anyway. If your need for companionship outweighs your need for God, then you are clearly sinning because you have an idol. An idol is anything that, that takes priority over God. You've made 
and so you've made romanticism your idol. You've made romance your idol, and you no longer serve only God, but instead your own selfish emotions. And that's the thing, is our emotions are very dangerous. We have to remember that the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? Um, and then there's the whole idea of the double-minded man, you know, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we need to make sure that we are properly focused on God and not being double-minded, and making sure that we're not making our feelings and our emotions and our ideals our idols and making sure that Christ takes the proper priority. And now, of course, the question is, what if you're already married? And that's an honest question. Like, okay, I know we're not supposed to date them, but what if I already am married? This is very logical. What if you became a Christian later, but your spouse is not? So you guys got married and you're both unbelievers and later on you became a believer. You're, you're living in the light of Christ now, but they're not. So what do you do? 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 16 says this, To the rest I say, Paul writing to Corinth, apparently had to address this topic a lot, To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, that he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Now, just so you know, this does not mean you're saved just because you're married. He clarifies this at the end. Otherwise, your children will be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Paul is making a very clear distinction here. He goes, look, if, and if they consent to live with you, and this is important because sometimes I have known relationships to split because one person surrendered to Christ. In fact, a great friend of mine was living with a woman, I think for seven or eight years, and he surrendered to Christ, went up to her, and was like, all right, um, we need to get married. We need to start going to church. We need to start doing the right things. I, you know, I, we need to sell out for God. And she goes, nope, I want no part of it. And he goes, okay. Um, you can have the house, the car, and everything else. I'm taking the dog. And he left and he went to Bible college. And I kid you not, that's what happened. Uh, so you're not bound if the person doesn't want to be bound with you, apparently. That's what Paul's saying. It says, I, not the Lord. So Paul's very good at clarifying when it's his own personal opinions. But he makes a good point here is, how do you know that you won't save your spouse if you stay married to them? And now, and if they consent to stay with you, should you, and we all know that Lord, the Lord takes no pleasure in divorce. So stay united, keep to your vows before the Lord, and then through you, they might find the light of Christ as well. In fact, we see that a lot in churches where one spouse will start coming to church and then later on the other spouse does, uh, or the children start coming. In fact, this has recently happened to a kid in our church. He was coming for a while, now his mom is coming, and eventually we're hoping to get the dad coming. Uh, there is some interesting statistics, not for this time right now, but usually if you can get the father to go to church, the rest of the family follows. So, a little fun fact, men, you're important. But anyhow, so Paul advises you to stay married with your spouse so that you may be able to save their souls. But he also says that if they want a divorce due to your beliefs, let it be so. He also says right here that they are, where is it, unbelieving partner separate, da, 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 da. Oh yeah, the brother or sister is not enslaved. So they're not bound to it if the person wants the divorce. So now the question is, so we see that, okay, God definitely says no, you have no fault. The light has no fellowship with darkness. We also see how we're supposed to kind of handle if, you know, it's too late and we're already married to them. So the big question is, why not? Why can't you date them? So 
Amos has a popular phrase that's often used out of context. I'm going to be slightly guilty of it here, but the moral is true, which is, can two meet together unless they are agreed? And that particular phrase is very important because how can two come together if they're not agreed to meet? How can they walk with one another unless they've agreed to? So in other words, if you two are together, is it not because you agree? If you don't agree, then what are you doing together? And that, that's a simple question. If you don't agree, then what are you doing together? I would say, you know, everyone knows that, well, every family gathering, what don't you talk about? Don't talk about religion and don't talk about politics, right? Why? Because you know a lot of people disagree on those things. And what can that disagreement do? It can cause division, right? So if you're constantly divided because of different beliefs, just alone at Thanksgiving, imagine being married to the person. It doesn't make sense. So here are just some basic reasons for any of you who are wondering why. So what fellowship does light have with darkness? You two will not get along on all things. And remember, your morality and standards will be drastically different than theirs, which means you two will often be at odds with one another. And think about it a lot, like just the Christian morality, the Christian worldview is entirely different than the non-believers. And shoot, even you, it gets that way even with denominations. Some denominations have different uh, moral systems. So you have to make sure you, re, you keep this in mind when you're dating somebody is, well, our morality alone is going to be different. You know, uh, Christians are very pro-life. You might get a person, if they're an unbeliever who thinks that they're an accident uh, of space dust colliding, that morality is just a social construct that we build ourselves and is entirely subjective. And then you as a Christian say, no, God dictated objective morality. Well, those two are not gonna get along. And then think about your children. Think about child rearing. If you have children, how do you explain to your children that they need Christ when the spouse says otherwise. Either how can two walk together unless they are agreed, right? Like how can your, your kids are being told by dad, let's say that faith and religion, all this stuff is completely stupid. And then you're over here telling them, no, you're a sinner. You need Jesus Christ. Well, now they're hearing both sides. And I'm just saying that it's hard usually to win someone who's already in sin, which our children are born in, into unto Christ when you already have such a strong influence pushing them toward their sin. So anyway, you can't raise a child in the way he should go when mom and dad are teaching two separate things. It doesn't work. And then how can you hold to Christian values with the weight of the world so close to you? And remember, nothing is closer than a romantic relationship. And we're just told to be separate. We're told to do all, you know, hold the Christian values and follow Christ. But how can you do that when the weight of the world is literally the dead weight in your own marriage? So you can't live properly separate because this person isn't. And then, of course, finally, we believe that marriage as Christians, you be we believe that marriage is a sacred institute made by God with one man, with one woman for one life under one God, right? So, and why is that? Because marriage is a symbol of God's union with the church and his people. It's, it's a union of, he, you know, he's the benevolent uh, groom and we are the, the bride whom he loves despite all the flaws that we might have. And he's gonna make us come forth pure, uh, pure and white as snow and all that. So how can your marriage symbolize God's relationship with us when one of you aren't actually even part of the church that you're supposed to symbolize. It doesn't, it doesn't compute. This is 
why in most situations when this happens when a christian dates a non-christian they end up miserable and i've seen one nasty breakup after another one i know this is anecdotal but it's true most often when a christian dates a non-christian it ends up with a nasty breakup in the end or the christian that or usually the christian stops going to church and starts compromising all their judeo-christian values just because they're with this person and this has happened endlessly i've seen this happen so many times where people have fallen out of it just because of that in fact i know one person now who was an ardent christian who married an atheist and now is an atheist herself so this happens regularly that's we are told to guard our faith hard to do that when you're just living with the person who's not of the faith so through marriage, you're joining your hearts with this person. You're joining your heart, your mind, your bodies, and your spirit with one another. And this is impossible to do in peace if you two are of separate minds and spirit. You will not be able to do this peacefully. It'll always end in disaster or it'll end in you compromising usually. It, very rarely do you see the person actually get saved. But usually if that person does get saved and come over to the light of Christ, it's usually after a very long, trying, and grievous road. So that's why Christians should only date an actual Christian and not, and let me, actually, I'll finish that thought here in a minute. First John 1, 5 through 6 says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We ought to practice the truth, which means if I believe that Jesus Christ is the truth, I ought to reflect him in all things, including his will for my romantic relationships, which is why it's important that my wife was a Christian and is a, not was, is a Christian. I'm not putting doubt on her faith, I promise. So then the next part here is just make sure that they're actually, and I, I don't know how to word this besides an actual Christian. There's a lot of people, Christianity is a popular thing. A lot of people say they're Christian because they believe in God, but there is no fruit. You shall be known by your fruit. So make sure the person you're walking, uh, you're talk, uh, the person you're dating or interested in is actually walking with God and not just saying the buzzwords. That's really important as well. Make sure that they're faithful in church. Make sure they're faithful to the Lord in all things. Not just, you know, yeah, of course I believe in God, but yet you see no evidence of it in their life. And in fact, most of their life would almost say otherwise. So, and I'm not saying they're not saved, but I'm saying that they have a priority problem as of right now. I don't know, you don't know their hearts, I don't know their hearts, but make sure you're dating the person on the right spiritual tier here. Um, I know uh, there's a girl um, I know who recently broke up with a guy who was an unbeliever. And so, anyhow, you, you understand my drift here. So, and, but really it comes down to this. Prioritize your walk with God and only seek those who do the same. Prioritize your walk with God and only seek those who do the same in your close friendships and especially in your romantic relationships. Only then will you find the relationships and companionship that you can truly be compatible with. It is 100% foolproof if you completely surrender to God's way and only prioritize His ways and only seek those who do the same, you will find yourself living in a much more peaceful engagement. And that's mainly because you're not 
trying to bring fellowship with light and darkness. So anyway, hope this helps answer the question for anyone who is wondering. The question is simply, can a Christian date a non-Christian? Obviously, biblically speaking, this is an ardent no. You should not, it would, it's actually very un, not very beneficial for you at all. So anyway, uh, please like and sub to the channel. Uh, like, you can look us up on all the social media sites. Uh, go ahead and add discussion down below uh, if you have any other thoughts on the matter. And my name is Will and this has been The Church Split.